I want to be an athlete. I want other people who are athletes around me. I want people who want to push themselves. What I don't want and what I had to like pull myself out of was being around people who were trying to present themselves in a different way. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I am joined by Craig Owen. Craig is a strength and conditioning coach. He's a power lifter. He's a weightlifter. I mean, he wears so many different hats, and I think uh, I think it'll come across in the conversation that he's an athlete, and he talks about the importance of everybody being an athlete. So it doesn't matter what modality you're tied to there is uh, potential for everybody to be athletic and do things that you think that your body can't do so I think uh, this was a really good conversation I'm not going to edit anything from this one we did it in person and uh, I was really glad we did so great conversation with Craig and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it I'd rather kind of kind of get into it, get to know you a little bit, and then I always feel like the intro comes out through through the podcast. You know, it doesn't oh, yeah. have to be like, "Hey, we introduce you at the beginning." It's like we'll get to know you as we kind of go right. along. Right, right, I love Rogan's style. I, are you a big Rogan fan at all, dude? I, I, yes. The, my my issue with Rogan is his podcasts are too fucking long. <laughs> They're just way too long. So I find myself like, I'll click on one that I feel interested in. And then I like skim through it and just kind of like find parts that I want to listen to. And then I'll skim through it again. Um, but like a four hour podcast, I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah, it's tough. I just don't have the patience for it, honestly. Or I'll listen to it over like the course of a couple of days. Like that was, I was, oh, dude, he had one, he had one dude on like a comedian or something. Um, and I found him to be totally like that podcast was fantastic. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, but like, because I guess he's someone who's an actor and a comedian. He, like everyone's story tells on podcasts, right? But he did so like so fluently and somehow also so segregated where you could listen for like 15 minutes and feel like you got the entire piece of that and then move on to another 20 or 30 minutes and get an entire other piece, um, which is like cool, especially because like I, I, I think Joe Rogan's his podcasts are awesome. Like I said, they're just too long. So when you can, when I can break them up like that, it's. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool the way that he did it. Um, but then there are some where I'm like, dude, I, I just can't listen to this anymore. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking such a underrated skill. Like I don't think a lot of people have the ability. Even I mean, I see a guy like Andrew Tate, and uh, we don't have to get into him, but like his ability to do that. People don't understand how much goes into that and, like, how intelligent you have to be to go on somebody's podcast for two hours, not miss a beat, and be able to articulate yourself really well. That's a that's an incredibly hard skill to have. Dude, <clears throat> so it's funny. Like, no matter what you think of someone like Andrew Tate, you can't deny that he has a way of eliciting some kind of emotional response from you. And when like anyone who's a decent speaker or someone who 
um, is like engaging. One of the things that you, you'll, you notice is you can relate to them in some way and that is usually manifested in some kind of emotional response. Um, it's not interesting to like hear a bland person talk about a thing and then you're like, all right, well, cool, then what? And like I said, regardless of what you think of Andrew Tate, <clears throat> which, you know, I, I always also will say that like, I will never judge someone based on their internet persona. Like I will judge the internet persona, but I can't judge the person because I don't know what they're doing that's genuine and what they're doing is some kind of marketing shtick. And the best like marketers and salespeople of the world are people who can make you feel a certain way, whether it's genuine or not, you will never know. And like you said, like that communication and speaking skill, regardless of the content, you can't really deny. And so, yeah, like talking for a few hours is tough. Um, especially if you're someone who doesn't quite have those skills honed. Um, so yeah, like, like when we, like we'll get people on our podcast where, and I hate to say it, we're just kind of like, I need this to end. (laughs) This will never see the light of day and I just need it to end. Um, and then we'll have others where we're like, this was really surprising. Like we had a dude that worked, that works for, um, tonal come on to our podcast and me knowing what I know about tonal. I'm like, this is complete bullshit. Like everyone needs to go to the gym and hire a normal coach, blah, blah, blah. By the end of his podcast, I'm like, dude, I want a tonal. <laughs> like I want to have one of these things in my house, knowing full well that like I would never use it. I'm like $3,500. That sounds pretty reasonable, man. I don't know. Yeah. So. At the end of it, it's crazy how people can have so much emotion like at, at at certain people, Andrew Tate, the liver king, like rage and yeah. just hate. And it's like, you. I mean, you got to look past what they're doing. Like if you don't understand that what they're doing is an act. Like th- this oh, is yeah. not how they actually are if you go and Dude, liver somebody. king is the best example of that. Because you look at him and you're like, dude, we, like, we know, man, you, we know. Yes, we you're know. on steroids 100%. And I'm like, I don't even care. At no point does he ever explicitly say, you can look like me if you eat liver and you do my workouts. No point. But, like, it is so heavily, not, I mean, I won't even say it's heavily implied, but by nature of him never wearing a shirt, you're like, oh, well, if I do this, I'll look like him. But from the other side, he's like, well, I'm a primal. I don't wear shirts. So it's not, it, like, he dances on this line of, like, well, I'm not marketing my body. This is just one of my, like, tenants or whatever. And then, like, the whole PED thing, like, yes, prioritize, execute, dominate. I'm on PEDs. And you're just like, dude, keep dodging the question. But, like, you do so in a way that is so entertaining that I, it's, I don't know, man. It's like watching a train crash. Like, you just can't take your eyes off of it. And I'm at the point now, especially, like, someone who's been in the fitness industry as long as I have been where I'm like, dude, one, nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me anymore. People are going to do all sorts of stuff. People are going to eat, you know, only bananas. People are going to eat only meat. People are going to do things like eat liver and cow testicles. Like, nah, dude, it's not for me, but nothing surprises me anymore. And people like to get 
really in their feelings about Liver King. And I'm just like, dude, this this man went from zero to like what two million followers on Instagram in less than a year. I don't give a shit what you think about him. Like whatever he's doing is working, and no one can deny that. And that's like, but again, like he gets an emotional response from people where people either get pissed off and think that he's this fraudulent guy or people who are like heavily on his side and they're like, you just, you just need to be more in tune with your like primal self. And like, while I don't know if I disagree with the fact that people should probably be outside more, they should probably eat more whole foods. They should probably train hard. They should probably go walk around outside I then like, like, well, what kind of negative effect are you really having? Like if people think that he's not on steroids, which like anyone with a pair of functioning eyes in this industry knows that he is. But even if you think that he's not and you believe that you can get really healthy following his advice, what's the worst that's probably going to happen? Like, yes, I do think there are some nutrient deficient, nutrient deficiently, just ugh nutrient deficiency related issues that could come with strictly following a diet like his one like the food quality that he probably has access to is just not what we have access to especially like independent of the monetary difference like we probably are not going to get fresh animal organs around here that are of the same quality that he might have access to especially being where he is but at the same time like if you're eating decent beef, if you're eating some animal organs, if you're cooking them, I'm a little against the raw thing, but like cook them, make them healthy for you. Eat potatoes. Like the dude jokes about carbs, like he eats bowls of potatoes. That's you, you got you got dudes who for for years were like pop tarts, pop tarts, pop tarts, and no one batted an eye. Guy tells you to eat meat and potatoes and you're like fuck this guy we're all gonna die if we eat food like this i don't know man like maybe ease up like no you're not gonna look like him just straight up you're not going to but are you gonna be healthy i don't know maybe and then like he's got a supplement line like i don't know you everyone takes a multivitamin right like how much different is this really yeah and i mean looking past the being able to look past what he's actually saying and like if you listen i've listened to a couple podcasts that he's done like you have to invest a couple hours into what he's saying but if you go on his website the ancestral tenants they're good there's not one of them that i'm like i disagree with this right but you get people get trapped up in the abs and the peds and all that stuff and they tend i mean everybody looks at the clips like you're looking at the reels on instagram and we have 15 seconds instead of spending four or five hours. Is this person trustworthy? Maybe what he's saying is a little ridiculous in the beginning, but if you look past that, he's given some really good advice. If you get past the original emotion of it. Yeah, dude, he's being like, think of it this way. Like he's being judged on his marketing material and not his actual content, which like, I don't know. Like again, and there are others who fall into this sort of category as well. Joel Seaman is one that sticks out in my mind, but like with Liver King, especially like he's doing something to uh, generate interest and traffic in what he's doing. And if you can like 
understand that. And first and foremost, like anyone who's on social media and I, there, I'm sure there are, there are exceptions to this rule, but anyone who's on social media is trying to present their version of a highlight reel or marketing material. And like, we've heard the cliche all the time. Like when people are like, Oh, don't judge your bad days against someone else's highlight reel or whatever that weird saying is. But like, it kind of is right. Like we don't put the bad things on the internet cause we don't want to be judged, embarrassed or ashamed. Right. So if we start with that foundation and then move into, well, he owns a business where he sells things and understands that like what he does is meant to drive more traffic and interest in what he's doing. Again, like the follower thing matters. He's, he was, he's been on the app for like a year, if I'm not mistaken. And he's got how many, however many followers he has. Like he is generating interest in his business, which is the goal for pretty much any marketing strategy. And he's doing it for free, right? Instagram is a free app. So if we understand those few things, and then like you said, if, if, if what he does and the way that he portrays himself on the internet gets you to go to his website, then he's won, right? Like we talk about click rates all the time in sales and marketing. If you go to his website, whether you agree with him, hate him or whatever, you, you lost that battle, right? Like you go there, then you see, oh, well, he wants me to sleep good. He wants me to get vitamin D. He wants me to eat whole foods. He wants me to train hard. He wants me to spend time with my family. Like if you're, if you're going to sit back and be like, oh, you're an asshole for saying these things. Like, man, look in the mirror, dude. Cause like as someone who has three kids and I'm relatively young guy, like it is very easy to take it for granted. And like, again, whether he's on steroids or not, which I think we can agree he is, he's also someone who's giving pretty legitimate advice. So, um, and I, and I agree also, I listened to the podcast that he did with, um, the Paul brothers and, uh, he did another one with someone else that I was in and out of. And yeah, like you, you need to invest the time into something like that with him to actually understand where he's coming from. And I can't stress enough. The one piece where he's like, I don't think he's ever said, do these things and you'll look like me, which we can't say that about the rest of this industry. Like we just straight up can't, we got, we get plenty of dudes who've been on testosterone for the past 10 years. And they're like, Oh, all you got to do is track your macros and then go and do some bicep curls and you'll be lean like me. And like, like the discussion about what is ethical or not can get a little blurry, especially when you get into things like TRT, especially, but like there's other things at play that people don't always want to admit. And for him to like, yes, he dodges the question pretty, um, very frequently. I don't think he's ever directly answered it, but at the same time, like I said, he's never once been like, do this and be like me. It's always been like, I want you to be the best form of yourself. And if that means that you're like me, then cool. If it means you're better than me, great. If it means you're not as good as me, whatever, dude, you're the best that you can be. And that's all he says. And I find it to be, I find most of his stuff to be absolutely hilarious and entertaining and great. And that's where I kind of draw the line with it. I don't use any of his supplements. I don't follow any of his like food related habits. Excuse me. I don't. Like, like I said, I'm not eating organ meat, I'm not eating 
bull testicles or any of that shit. But again, like a dude who's like, Hey, go outside, spend time with your family. Like maybe don't play on your phones while you're in your house with your family too. Like again, the whole trash can thing, when you throw your phone in, when you walk in the door, the EMF stuff that he talks about, like some of it is a little far fetched for me, but the general like overarching philosophy that like when you're in the house, it's family time. Like, not everyone can do that, and I respect that, and I'm one of those people who can't always do that. But the sentiment, I think, is... I, I feel like it's genuine. And he gets a bad rap, and maybe rightfully so, but I find most of the stuff that he does to be completely hilarious. And again, like him or hate him, if you click on anything that he does, you've lost. Yeah, so. yeah I was listening to uh, Duncan Trestle speak on joe rogan and he's super funny um but he always says like if you're, if you're following my advice then you're probably an idiot but uh he was saying like anytime he thinks somebody else should do something he in turn does that so if you think somebody gets super emotional and maybe they need to meditate he meditates himself yeah or if somebody else needs to get off their phone because they're always on instagram he gets off instagram and i think that's really good advice like anytime you're seeing that in somebody else, it's probably because you're also seeing it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I for sure. I mean, I think that we probably project a lot of our own, I won't say insecurities, but like we project a lot of the issues and things that we notice about ourselves on other people. Um, And I mean that only as like a, if you buy a new car, right, you'll see that car more often around you. Is that because more of those cars are out there? No, probably not, but you notice it more. So if there's something that you feel like you're struggling with with yourself, there's a good chance you're going to notice it with other people. Um, And that's like one piece of it. The other piece, which uh, my dad taught me from a very young age, never ask anyone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, That started as a coaching philosophy. And so he coached me in lacrosse since I was like eight. He coached me in football, um, And one of his things with lacrosse especially was, if you have a stick in your hands, wear your gloves. Uh, Because you don't get to play the sport without gloves on. And our hands, like, they're our most, I don't know, the purest connection to the actual stick that we're using, right? So, like, how you handle a stick with your bare hands is not going to be the same as with your gloves. It's just not. You're not going to feel everything the same way. So he used to coach with gloves on. And people thought it was corny. But in his mind, it was, I don't want to ask you to do something that I wouldn't also do. And that stuck with me forever. I never give anyone that I coach a movement or exercise that I haven't already done or, no, I'll leave it right there. I've never asked someone to do anything that I haven't already done. Um, And I think that's an important reason. You have to be able to empathize with what goes into doing something like that. And if you can't, then you won't be able to effectively coach it, adjust it, or, (coughs) excuse me, recognize the intricacies of it when they do it. So if they struggle with form on something, the way it feels, you have to be able to relate to it. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I do think that's important. What what do you think about the high-level – there's a lot of high-level weightlifting coaches who probably can't get in the bottom of an overhead squat, probably can't snatch anymore. And maybe they did at one point, but they're not doing it as much. But, I mean, C.J. Cummings' coach, 
if you've ever seen him, he really he does not look like he's ever touched a weight, and he's coaching an Olympian and and a lot of high level guys. Yeah, I mean, is it possible? Probably. Like, I won't say that you that everyone has to do the thing, especially in order to coach it. Like, there's plenty of professional sports coaches who never made it to the level that they're coaching at, which how can you relate? But if you figure out the, like, sauce, the formula, I'm not going to tell you you can't do it. Yes, I will say that maybe you're not equipped to teach a beginner, right? And, like, if you don't teach a beginner, how can you really teach an advanced athlete? But you can study, you can learn. Like, there are ways around it, I believe. And experience kind of trumps all. Um, the more coaching experience that you accumulate, the more data you'll have to fall back on. So is it possible? Yeah. I mean, like I don't personally like it. I want to be able to feel and relate to the people that I'm coaching. If I've never gotten into an overhead squat, how can I teach it? How can I troubleshoot it? Really? Like teaching it for some people is as easy as put the bar over your head and squat. One out of every five people might walk into the gym and be able to do it easy. Day one, right away, no struggle. For coaching them into an overhead squat, you're going to have a pretty easy time. For someone who maybe doesn't have the requisite hip mobility, and your solution is to pull up some squat U videos and do a bunch of ankle distractions. Is that going to be the right way to get them into a good overhead squat position? Probably not because their limitation is not in their ankle. So if you've never troubleshooted these things before, how can you troubleshoot them now? And so maybe it's like survivorship bias. Maybe one of those things where the high-level lifters that he has are just those who naturally could get in the positions. And then it's a matter of formulaic express like expressions of this formulaic structure that ultimately lead to them being successful. I don't know. And like not for nothing. CJ Cummings is a phenomenal weightlifting athlete, right? We know that. Technique wise, like there's a lot to be desired, I feel like. We got bent elbows, we got that wide squat jerky thing with the but but I mean he does it. And like we can't really argue with that. Mm-hmm. So that matters. And I've always kind of been of the opinion that, like, there is no optimal weightlifting technique. Like, yes, there are some principles that we kind of have to accept. The bar needs to go up. We can't really go forward and backward. Um, we, like, but, like, the elbows especially. The hips into the bar. The archangel thing that, like, John North always talks about. The... Big straight leg bent over, whatever we call it, versus staying in your legs, the early knee bends, all of those things. I don't know if there's a right or a wrong way. I know that one one of the ways will probably resonate with someone. How you choose to get to the end result doesn't always matter to me, um, and that's why I think that you can see, you know, guys like CJ who maybe you don't have the best looking technique, 
but are still extremely competitive and very strong. And like like I said, he is at the top of his weight class, especially in this country. And you can't really argue with that. So I don't know. I and you know, powerlifting as a good comparison because you've got guys who squat with narrow stances, wide stances, a lot of forward knee translation, a lot of pancaking or backward hip translation. You've got close grip benchers, wide grip benchers, high arch benchers, flat back benchers, sumo deadlifters, conventional deadlifters, frog stance deadlifters, and everything in between. And where, like with weightlifting, it's, well, you snatch, you clean, you split jerk, or you power jerk, right? Like, or you squat jerk, maybe. Um, There's a lot of, I won't say dogmatism, but there is a lot of, this is the way you do it, and any other way is wrong. And while that may be true, I don't know, I will say that getting people away from what feels strong and comfortable probably isn't the best way to handle those situations. Mm. I'm a firm believer in, like when I coach people, self-organization is a big piece of my like kind of philosophy. I don't want you thinking about nine different things while you're trying to squat. I want you to watch me squat and I want you to do it, recreate it. When you struggle with something, I will troubleshoot that something. But I'm not going to change something just because it doesn't look the way that I want it to look. Um, again, there are certain principles that really can't be overlooked. You have to keep your feet on the ground, for example. Um, and in order to do that and maintain balance over your foot, your center of mass probably has to be in the middle-ish of your foot. Does that mean it can't slide into your forefoot or heels? No, I don't think so. And does that mean that... You need to keep your heels on the ground until you fully extend in a snatch. Uh, dude, I don't know. I've watched the Chinese be on their toes for the past however many years, and they seem to be doing all right. And everyone says, oh, well, PEDs. I don't care, dude. Technique, Matt. Like, what gets the bar from the floor to over your head? PEDs don't do that. They help you recover, sure, maybe be stronger, but, like, they don't make you have good technique. So what constitutes good technique i'm not really sure and i know that's kind of a tangent but like the the biggest thing and i say this a lot especially on the internet like i want everyone to just like be an athlete i don't need you to be perfect i want you to be an athlete save lifts that like aren't perfect right like struggle through hard lifts where you might have like misgrooved it or screwed something up like be an athlete be strong be have some variability be someone who can get through certain things in different ways and not completely fail because one little nuance went wrong. And I don't know, like I said, if if it's not going to be for everyone, but if I say, hey, bring this bar from the floor and catch it overhead, how you do it, don't really care, just do it. And they can load up 160 kilos and do it, then... Fuck it, man. Who's to say you're wrong? Not me. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. So while I personally wouldn't do it that way, and I would prefer to be someone who has done the things and troubleshooted it myself with you know me personally and with athletes that I coach, I'm not going to say that someone's wrong when they've got athletes that are doing what they're, what they're doing down there. I don't even know what the place is called, Beaufort or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know how to pronounce it. But like, I'm not going to say that CJ Cummings coaches ill-equipped to coach weightlifters because that would just be 
completely naive and immature of me. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, we're constantly looking at outliers all the time. And Instagram, the highlight reel, but you're looking at everybody who's the best all the time. And I've learned that I'm not an outlier. You're probably not an outlier. You don't have to do anything special. But, like, to snatch and clean and jerk or to do the power lifts or do whatever fitness-wise, you don't have to do anything that's, like, incredible. You just have to do things that everybody else pretty much can do. And you do it repeatedly for a long period of time, you're probably going to be better at it than people who stick with it for six months or three months or whatever. For sure. And I think that's uh, a piece that's so often overlooked. Like, I don't care what anyone's technique is like if you've only been in the sport for a year like i just we're worried about the wrong shit like if 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 i gave you if i gave someone zero cueing like technical cueing um except for you know very serious really like issues but i said hey you got to do this for three years i would be and I, w- I would love to run a study like this i really would i would be completely shocked if one of two things didn't happen. Either the technique grew with the lifter to a point where maybe there's not much that you would pick out that's wrong. Or two, they would become proficient and strong in whatever their personal technique looked like and they were still really successful. I think the consistency, accumulating a lot of time doing the thing, getting a bunch of reps, practicing it over and over and over again, There is no substitution for that. There is no technique thing. There's no recovery thing. There's no supplement. There's no nothing that's going to substitute for that. And I do think that that's one of the things that makes weightlifting tough for some people. You have to spend time there. And in a world, or sorry, not a world, in an industry, maybe a world, but in an industry where we are constantly bombarded with 30-day challenges, six-week challenges, 21-day fat loss, ch- like all of the shit. Like everyone wants their results now. Weightlifting is the the thing that, at least from my perspective, that completely stands against that. You will not learn this in a month. You will not learn it in probably six months. And in a year... While you might be way better, you will probably look forward and say you're still nowhere close. I have I did my first ever power clean at 18 years old, um, and my strength and conditioning coach in college, in college, I'm sorry, said you're a natural at this. And if I watched that video now, I'd probably think that he was fucking crazy. And if I watch a video of me snatching from two years ago. I'll probably say I sucked, but two years ago was the first time I think that I snatched a hundred kilos. And like, there are people that will never snatch a hundred kilos because they just won't spend enough time here. And was my hundred kilo snatch perfect? No, actually it was probably four years ago. Anyway, point remains. Was that perfect? No, it looked like shit. If I watch it now, like there are, I could, I could tear that lift apart, but that was after probably an accumulated five-ish years of training in weightlifting. And that's how long it took me to get to a spot where 
at least I had consistent technique. I did the thing that I wanted to do goal-wise. Like, everyone wants a 100-kilo snatch, as, like, you know what I mean, from a guy's perspective. Um, and then, like I said, I, I, even in the moment, I'm like, ah, I did it, but it doesn't look very pretty. And now I'm like, well, that was complete trash, and I'm way better now. And I still look forward, and I say, there are so many things that I want to clean up. But I'm at a point now where I understand that um, it's not going to be a mental cue. I've got to practice it over and over again. And, like, I don't know if there's a better characterization of, you know, fitness in general than weightlifting and how... And maybe it is because it's a amalgamation of all the different fitness qualities that we need to be, like, good athletes, right? Like, you got to be explosive, um, coordinated, strong... Um, resilient in a lot of ways. I don't know. But it develops over the course of so long. And you can't, like I said, again, you, there is no substitute for spending time and doing it rep over rep for a long time. And again, it's not, like I said, you're not going to be able to do this in a, in a month. You could have the best coach in the world. You are just not going to do this in a month. Um, and I don't know if that's always the case with, you know, every other piece of this industry. Yeah. I mean, John North calls it shaking hands with the bar. Like you have to shake hands with the bar a lot. And some days it's going to feel different. And especially if you are a beginner, it's probably going to feel different every single time. Oh. Every single time you touch the bar, it's going to, hey, like my left side was a little bit off today. Or, you know, I'm jumping too far back. I'm jumping too far forward. And, I mean, you're never going to build those consistent patterns. And, I mean, I fell into the trap, too. Like, I trained for four years. Oh, everyone does. And four years is a long time to not – I mean, I saw results. Like, and weightlifting is a sport where you go you go up for a while, and then you have this, this nice peak, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. I love this sport. And then you drop off, you get injured, and then you start slowly working back, and you're like, all right, this sport's cool again. And then – same thing happens you get injured or you you stall out and i think i used to kind of like fault people for not being able to hang in there oh yeah i'm like damn i didn't hang in there (laughs) no no uh and yeah i mean i sympathize with that like there was a there was a good chunk of time where not even strictly weightlifting you know in all of the coaching that i've done over the over the years where you know i'm I fell into that trap of blaming people for not being able to stick it out. And I don't know. I'm still a little torn about it. I will, I will admit where there's a lot of me. That's like, some people just aren't cut out to do the thing that they want to do that they say they want to do. I should say, um, cause maybe they don't really want it. Uh, and that's important. Like we got magazines, we got social media, like everyone sees the thing they want, but like, Do they want to do what they need to do to get there? That's an important piece of it, too. Now, I am not one who's going to say, oh, well, if you didn't stick it out, you didn't want it bad enough. That's not, like, I usually don't say that. There's probably, like, I I don't understand everyone's situation, but with weightlifting in general, or sorry, with weightlifting specifically and then, like, training in general, yeah, one, there's going to be peaks and valleys all the time. You're going to start something, you're going to love it, you're going to see success right away because it's new, and you're going to adjust to that newness pretty quickly, so you're going to see results pretty quick. We call it like noob gains, for lack of a better word, right? Like, you're going to build some kind of neurological 
um, skill with anything that you do for the first time, right? So simple motor unit recruitment, like talking about strength training, right? Like you're going to get a lot stronger in a short amount of time when you first start because your body's learning how to do the thing. And once it learns the thing to, you know, a acceptable degree in your body's kind of like hypothetical opinion, you'll stall out. And then what happens, right? Like, do you understand that it's a little plateau? Do you feel like a failure? Like those are two completely different mindsets to, for how you handle it, right? And as a coach, it's probably our job or my job to say, hey, like you probably shouldn't expect the same level of progress for the rest of your life because then what happens, right? Like you got 50 pounds stronger in your deadlift over the first three months that we train. Well, what if we did that forever? Then what? All right, well, maybe that's a little unrealistic. What if we did that for three years? Then what? And then they'll look back at me and be like, well, I'd probably break every single world record as a 130-pound girl. Is that even possible? And I have to be like, why don't you say that again and then answer it for me, right? So like that, like the beginner progress isn't sustainable. So how can we navigate the ups and downs of training in general and then setting realistic expectations for the people that we coach and with weightlifting it's very like like you said you 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 like this is the best ever and i'm crushing it and i'm nailing it and then it turns its back on you in the blink of an eye and that's the one thing that's uh, that i think is unique to weightlifting like it can happen in an instant and you're just like you'll you lose it you feel like and there are days where then it'll click and you'll feel nice and then when you get it back, it feels good. And it usually, like, lingers where training, training will go really well for a little bit. Um, but, like, when you're in those periods where nothing can go right, 85% is just, like, all over the place and all over the place in a bad way. It's not even like you miss it. It's like you miss it every which way. It's behind you. It's in front of you. You're jumping forward. You're jumping back. You're, you're not finishing. You're overpulling. You're doing everything wrong, and you can't figure it out, and you can't pull it together. And then... You know, how can we navigate through those like little tribulations? And yeah, I mean, I, I get why people don't stick it out. I do. It is, it is mentally exhausting. And I will say that it is not for everyone. Um, I do think that like there is something for everyone though. And, you know, for me as an athlete, I, I'm, dude, I'm still figuring it out. Like played sports forever man I played all sports I played football basketball baseball lacrosse I ran track in high school I like you're looking at a kid who wanted to race people like that was like I was a five-year-old in an 18-year-old's body I wanted to race people and when I, I you know I played lacrosse in college and that was kind of tough for me because I went from doing all these sports to doing the one sport the one sport became a job and I still struggle with, as a 32-year-old, I struggle with jobs. Um, I like doing a bunch of different things. And, you know, when I, <clears throat> when I graduated, I took a, took a big break from athletics and training in general. And then I realized very quickly that I missed it. So I tried to satisfy that thirst for, you know, I don't know if it was competition or 
training in general or maybe like as corny as it is maybe it is just me wanting to be better um like everyone like the you versus you thing it's super corny but like for some people and i feel like i'm one of those people like i just want to suck at something and then overcome it um and that's fun for me like and i love competing um so i tried powerlifting i tried you know i was i was a cardio athlete or endurance athlete for the first portion of all of this really like <clears throat> my reintroduction into quote-unquote sports was triathlons like I ran but running hurt my knees and was boring so I got a bike and I started riding I was swimming and I was like oh triathlon I can do that so did that endurance is not <laughs> that might not that might not be for me I got bored very quickly um, so then it was, you know, back to lifting and my college strength and conditioning routine. Um, powerlifting was the easiest way to satisfy the competitive urge. And dude, maybe it, maybe it is the little kid who played all different sports, but like, I can't commit to one. I can't just be a powerlifter. I can't just be a weightlifter. And even now, like I, I got, I got a kid here at the gym with me, um, who's a 19 year old kid from Drexel. Uh, he has been doing CrossFit since 14. And I watched this, I, I watched most of the CrossFit games just cause I'm interested in people doing cool shit. And they introduced sandbags. I see, you know, max clean and jerks, max complexes. And I'm like, damn, we're combining strongman with weightlifting, with powerlifting. And now with like the rogue imitational getting even deeper into that like we got log clean and jerks we got crossfit totals what was what that squat deadlift press oh, press thank yeah. you um which is stolen from mark ripito even though we you know we don't want to admit that um and i'm like damn dude this is like actually becoming cool it's not it's not do a thousand ring dips for time like which that was my original issue with crossfit the programming just didn't make sense so much so that if you can't prepare for it, you're going to get hurt. Like, that's how injuries happen. Like, everyone says that, you know, everyone gets hurt doing CrossFit. Well, while that may have been true, I think the, like, the process by which those injuries occurred, people didn't understand. And, like, it's important to, I guess, note that, like, we get and this is a big issue with like form and technique too, where like there is no bad form. Like I'm sure that's been on the internet. People have probably seen it. There's no inherent for, or there's no form or technique that's inherently injurious. But if you're put in a position that you're not familiar with and you're not conditioned for, then yeah, you might get hurt. And that was my, like I said, for a while, that was my biggest issue with CrossFit. You would be put in vulnerable positions for extended periods of time under fatigue with high levels of stress. And not only that, you didn't know what the workout was in advance. So how do you prepare? You can't even prepare for it. So for years, I'm like, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. And while I'm still not a huge fan of not knowing the events beforehand, I think the programming has gotten significantly more responsible. And so my guy, my guy Joey, who who comes in here with me he's like yo when are you gonna eat? let's let's work out together let's do some stuff and 
you know, it took a few few back tweaks deadlifting for me to be like, all right, I'm going to take a break from all the heavy shit that I'm doing and have some fun for a little bit. Doing it with them. And, dude, we literally did a, a fucking Metcon two weeks ago that was somewhere along the lines of 45 total sandbag to shoulder with 150 and then bench pressing at 185. And I'm like, dude, this does not feel like CrossFit anymore. This feels like fun. And... So yeah, again, like that's that's me trying to. I'm I'm a, I'm someone who's all over the place. I want to try all the things. I want to have fun. I want to be competitive. I want to get good at things that I suck at. And like, dude, I suck at handstands. But I've been in here every day, standing up against the wall, because like I want to learn how to do a handstand because I'm stu- I'm stubborn as shit. So I think it's I think man, I wish I like could relate all this back to like the original thing but at the same time like I don't know I think that gets lost in a lot of this industry right now like no one wants to be a kid anymore mm-hmm. everyone wants to be so serious and everyone wants to be like oh specificity 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 well dude specificity is only really necessary for like the few months leading up to the thing like get bigger get stronger get faster become more explosive Again, like I say it all the time, like be an athlete. Like that's what we are. We are trying to be athletes. And again, it's not for everyone. Like not everyone wants to be an athlete. Some people just want to be powerlifters who shoot videos on $5,000 cameras and post them to TikTok. And like that's cool, but like you're not an athlete. And I like I'm someone who is an athlete. I want to coach athletes. I want people who want to become athletes. Um, and so, yeah, like that's... <clears throat> kind of how I operate as a coach and trying to make sense of all the different shit in this industry, which is always challenging. I want to go back to um, something you said that like most people don't actually want what they think they want. Yeah. And if you, I mean, I go back to, to having a bunch of high level weightlifters on the podcast you probably don't want to be a high-level weightlifter. No. I, I didn't. When I hear, you know, you're training six days a week and you're getting hurt all the time and, like, things don't go well and you're doing the same two lifts, most people probably don't want to do that. And, right. like, you have to you have to look inside of yourself and, and be able to admit, like, hey, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I don't want to be elite at this thing. Let me move on to the next thing. And I think a lot of people, I certainly struggle with that to like move on to the next thing. And I probably spent four months like not really enjoying training. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, I wouldn't tell anybody to do something health wise or fitness wise that they don't like doing. Yep. So why am <clears> I going to do that? Why don't I try to do, try to be an athlete, yeah. try to do jujitsu? And see how this works. And then if I didn't like that, there was something else I could have done. And you can always go back to the sport that you were originally involved in. If you're an athlete all the time, you're going to be able to pick that up pretty quick. Yeah, dude, for sure. And, like, <clears throat> I think people conflate um, wanting something and thinking something is cool would be cool to do. Um, so, like, if I see someone clean and jerk – 220 kilos right like get four reds on that bar clean and jerk it that would be super fucking cool to do do i want to do that i mean it would be cool like if it came natural to me sure do i want to train nine times a week to do it no like straight up no i don't 
And I think that it's important to get into that. And like, I'm down, I want everyone to try everything. Uh, so I don't mean this in a way to like <clears throat> turn you off and say like, oh, you'll never be a good weightlifter if you don't train nine times a week. So therefore there's no reason to do it. That would be completely disingenuous of me. And I, and then that's not my opinion. However, what I will say is, um, I do again, think that there is a difference between thinking that it would be cool to be able to do something and saying, I want to do this and I will do whatever it takes to do it. Um, Again, like I, I was an athlete my whole life. I played all the sports. I had um, college offers to play football and lacrosse. I, it was a no-brainer, honestly. Like it was, there was never a doubt in my mind. But if you were a fly on the wall of my bedroom when I was a kid, you would know too that there was nothing I wanted more than to play lacrosse all the time. I had a stick in my hands for the majority of a day, just casually messing around. I put holes in my neighbor's garage because he decided to build it right behind where I had a net. Um, I would go to school two hours early and shoot on a net for an hour and a half before getting ready for school and doing my homework. Like there was, and like having gone through that, I know what it means to want something. Like, I know what it means to genuinely want it. And um, there's, a, there's a saying that I, I, don't, I don't know who to attribute it to, but I heard it a little while ago that was along the lines of the person who loves walking will walk so much further than the person who loves the destination. And I, I have, like, a love-hate relationship with sayings like that because they're corny as shit and, like, they're disingenuous half the time, but like there is some value in it. If you're like me when I was a kid and you loved just having a stick and a ball in your hands and messing around with it all the time, I got, I got really good at a sport without even trying, right? If you're someone who loves moving around and trying different things, you don't want to be an athlete. You just are like, that's the thing you are. And I've said a few times, like, I want to be an athlete, right? Like I am an athlete. I might not be at the highest level of everything that I do, but I want to do it all. And I want to have fun and I want to do all those things. So, and like, all, like all of that to say to your specific point, like, When I, like, I, I have so many people who come in the gym. Oh, I want to get stronger. I want this. I want that. And, you know, we always have to have the initial conversation of, well, do you, like, want it? Or did you see someone in a magazine and say, oh, I, that would be cool if I had? And there is a difference. Like, with weightlifting, if you want it, you love training. You love the the battle of <clears throat> missing a lift six times sticking with it for another six until you finally get it. And then you're done. And like any respectable coach who is telling you like, Hey, it's Friday time to time to do big things, right? We're going to take a heavy snatch and a heavy clean and jerk. And today might not be your day today. 
90% might feel like 150% and you're just having a tough time. Any coach who values, you know, things like recovery, fatigue accumulation and management and all that stuff will say, hey, you get like one or two misses, move on. And if I went and told some of my coaches like, dude, I took 110 kilos for 20 attempts and then by the time it came to clean injuries, I had no gas left. Like, I'd probably get yelled at. And I'm telling you, like, I've done it at least at least a handful of times, and I don't regret it. Like, I love that part of it. And, like, I like I don't want to be an elite weightlifter. Like, you're absolutely right. I, I don't want to do the things that I know it would take because that's not I, – I mean, maybe I have enough self-awareness now to know that, like, that's not my actual goal. And while I maintain that my most competitive and most – my peak is still in front of me. I, again, like, I don't know. I mean, I do know. I don't think that that is what I want. I want to be an athlete. So, like, yes, man, go, like, do jujitsu, right? Dive into the things that you think are interesting to you. And maybe, just maybe, you'll realize, like, one of them speaks to you in a way that none of the others do. Maybe you love being able to separate someone's shoulder without <clears throat> anyone around you being able to know what you just did. And like, dude, I don't know. Like that's maybe that's your thing. And maybe that's like maybe you want to be someone who can I don't know, total 2000 pounds in a powerlifting meet and like you will do whatever it takes to do that. Like that's cool. I want people to find that. I've, I genuinely do. And, you know, I said it at the very beginning, I don't know if I have found yet the thing that I want the most. I know that I'm on the right track and I know that because I have a lot of fun and I know that because I try really hard at all the things that I do, but like, I don't know what I'm going to want to do tomorrow. Like, dude, like I truly do not. I, and like, to me, that is the clearest example of like, I'm not sure what I want yet. I know what I am and what I do but I don't know quite exactly how to define what I want yet. And maybe like I'm already there. Maybe, maybe what I genuinely want is to be someone who can do everything. And, you know, again, we're spoiled with these like cliche, corny, like reels and TikToks of like these things. But like the Jack of all trades thing that was going around for like, like, a while, a couple months ago, like, I don't know, man, like, I kind of agree, I think doing, being as good as I can be at everything is cool to me, like, look at the best athletes in the world, like, what sports are the best athletes in the world playing, like, I don't know, rugby, football, maybe basketball, but, like, the, the things that they're good at, like, they're strong as shit, you got, like, Nick Chubb out here squatting 600 pounds, you got Saquon Barkley cleaning 400 pounds. Why, you know, maybe you don't want to be an elite weightlifter. Maybe you just want to be an athlete who can do all these cool things. And, like, for me, that's that's great. Now, I do, I will admit that I have this, I have a competitive itch that, um, one, rubs people the wrong way sometimes, and two, uh, you just, you got to, I have to find an outlet for. And for me, those outlets could be, powerlifting meets I have a lot of fun with them 
but like powerlifting training really isn't my thing. I love the meat atmosphere. I love competing. Um, but the training quite isn't, isn't really my favorite part in the world. So like, I don't want to be an elite powerlifter. I want to be a competitor. And I think that is closer to, you know, or more aligned with like my wants and desires. And again, all of that to say that like, maybe you don't want the thing. Maybe you, you know, that's the journey and all that shit again. Like, Maybe you want to be someone who trains really hard and is good at different things. Like I said, I don't know what I'm going to want to do tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I want to squat 500 pounds. Maybe the day after that I want to run sprints on a football field. Man, there's been times where I've literally done that. I've driven to Ridley High School right down the street and will do 50-yard sprints for no fucking reason. Who does that? Who, like... What person in their mind, in their right minds, like who hasn't done it in years, by the way, like haven't done that kind of training since I was in high school or maybe college, I should say. Oh, I'm going to do 50 yard sprints for literally no training effect just because I want to do it and I want to run really fast. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm weird when it comes to training and, but I'm also like authentic in what I want and what I want to do. Um, which I think is hard for people right now. It's hard to be authentic when you're surrounded by people who, you know, are pretend or maybe they're not pretending, but like are super hyper specialized in the things they're doing. Uh, and it makes you feel like you need to do that too. Even though I think more people will be better off not, not doing it. Yeah. Not specializing. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, even yesterday, Yesterday I was at jujitsu. I was getting mounted as I do pretty much every time <laughs> I walk into the gym. But this dude just wiped his his gi all over my ear. I'm bleeding everywhere, and I'm having a great time. Like at no point during that, like uh, yeah, I think the blood's a little bit gross, and I was like kind of worried about my ear. But at <laughs> no point did I think I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, and I don't think enough people chase that thing. Because, you know, you, a lot of times you're set in one thing and it's like you, you think that you want to do a powerlifting meet so you're doing the training for three months and it's, it's not really speaking to you. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right, but, like, people don't chase that thing that you have to do. Like, at no point did I think I'm not going to come back here tomorrow or the next day. Like, yeah. I'm going to go back to jujitsu just because I like doing it. And I don't think going back to Liver King, like, people aren't awake to what they want. Like, chase what you want. And it doesn't have to make sense to anybody, and it doesn't have to make you an income. Like, just do something that you enjoy doing. If you go to the football field, like, no powerlifting coach or trainer is going to tell you that's optimal to do. That's going to fuck up your training probably for two days. But you felt like doing it. Oh, hell yeah, dude. My my fucking calves didn't bend for – or didn't stretch for almost a week, dude. I couldn't – I could not squat. But I was like, ah, well, you know, fuck it. I don't care. And, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, me and my uh, – uh, Matt, the one guy that I work with, um, we always – like, we said this once. Where if we didn't have Instagram, right, how many people wouldn't even train? Or how many people would train in a completely different way? And, <clears throat> you know – 
the first, how many people wouldn't train is not super useful for this conversation, but how many people would train in a totally different way if they were not uh, at the mercy of their cell phone and their Instagram account? And I'm not going to pretend that I know the answer, um, but I know that for me personally, it has no effect. And like, like I'm at the point now, especially on the internet where, you know, it's, it's a tool for me. So I, I am on it and I am, and I will always, you know, be on it as long as it is a useful business tool for me. Um, it, for, it was never really a personal outlet anyway, <clears throat> but like you could, you know, if you, if you checked out my shit right now, like you would notice that like, there's not a whole lot going on because the training that I do right now is not very interesting to the internet. And truthfully i don't and like dude jujitsu right like you're not setting up a fucking camera mount and videoing yourself rolling on you know rolling in classes or whatever in sessions but like it doesn't matter you're doing the thing because it's for you and you know maybe i'm naive or maybe i'm wrong but like to me it feels like a lot of this is i don't know man like fanfare performative even where Powerlifting is a great example. When you're not getting ready for a meet, there's probably no reason to do one rep of anything. Yet you got people who don't even have a meet scheduled who are in who are like who are sharing videos of oh my my single my whatever and you're just like we know the only reason you're doing this is to put it on the internet. So like who are you training for? What do you want again versus what are you like what do you think would be cool? <clears throat> Do you just want people to like you on the internet? Why fucking compete then? Just do whatever you want and post shit on the internet. Like there's a, I mean, like again, like you said it, Liver Liver King's a great example of it. And there's another guy though who um, is on the internet that um, I personally am like, dude, the shit that you post on here is dumb. And I I won't say exactly who it is because I feel like it's somewhat negative what I'm about to say, but also like all of his training is doing a deadlift from like goofy ass angles of a gym with people watching him. And like, he used to call himself a power lifter. And so like, I'm thinking to myself, like you don't actually compete. You just do, you just kind of deadlift here and there. And then it became this like thing where I asked myself like, why one, do I give a shit? (laughs) And two, like, we're at this thing where like maybe he realized that he doesn't want to be a power lifter and he just wants to be someone who deadlifts a dumb amount of weight. And then by dumb, I mean heavy. Like I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from how strong he is. The dude deadlifts like seven to 800 pounds or some shit like that. So like, I mean, it's put in work and like, but you like this person has clearly shown that like he's doing the thing that he likes to do. And I had to catch myself like, Oh, well, Am I being judgmental because, like, maybe I'm jealous that he's just doing his thing and people like it, right? Like, I, and, because, like, I fall into the trap, man, like, oh, I'm a, and, like, I say all the time, like, I don't, I don't define myself as a power lifter or a weightlifter or anything specifically, but am I, am I doing or sharing things that I want to do or share, or am I doing and sharing things that I think other people want to see, and when those two things are aligned, 
I think people do really well for themselves. But I don't think that a lot of people, a lot of, uh, for a lot, I don't think for a lot of people, they are aligned. Um, and it's, you can, you can, you can almost see it pretty clearly when it's faked. And I can even like scroll back into some of my, the things that I've, you know, said and shared in the past. And I'm like, this isn't me, you know, <clears throat> and, and, you know, to talk about, um, another conversation I had with, <clears throat> uh, Matt who, again, Matt Downey, I work with him with compound performance. He's also coached me for a few years. If I am talking about Matt, it's probably him, but I've said to him a few times, like trying to find your personality and your voice on the internet is tough. Uh, you're trying to, you know, <clears throat> find the thing that resonates with other people. You're trying to find the thing that will make people value you. But you can't look to them for value. And that is, again, an important distinction because, you know, to our conversation about, well, what do you want versus what do you think would be cool if you had? I probably don't need to create content or coaching material or whatever for people who don't already value me. I could just share the things that I'm doing, have a conversation, you know, maybe not like this, but in a similar, you know, ideas and concepts. And then that might resonate with people a lot more than pretending that I'm this like specialized lifter doing these things when that's not really who I am anyway. Like, I think it's cool to be able to snatch, clean and jerk, squat, bench press, deadlift, hit, 1500 watts on the assault bike do a muscle like all of these things that you know any one of them someone might be like oh that'd be cool if I could do but I want to do it all and like I want to overcome the challenge of learning them all I want to set goals for each of them and then overcome them you know what I mean like when I started weightlifting, my goal was a 100-kilo snatch and a 140-kilo clean and jerk. And then, but I didn't want to be an elite weightlifter. You know what I mean? Like, after I did that in a competition, I immediately pivoted. I want to have a 500-pound squat, a 365-pound bench, and a 600-pound deadlift. And then I did those. And now, I'm like, I want to learn how to do handstand walks I want to learn how to do double unders I want to you know I, I wanted to log clean and jerk 300 pounds like I do I want to be a powerlifter weightlifter crossfitter strongman no I just want to do it all I want to train really hard and I want to have fun um, and I think being more authentic with that will probably have a more positive effect on the people that I interact and engage with on a daily basis, especially because I don't know, I no longer need to like, f not fake, but like hide who I am almost. Again, I am an athlete. I want to be an athlete. I want other people who are athletes around me. I want people who want to push themselves. What I don't want and what I had to like pull myself out of was being around people who were trying to 
present themselves in a different way. And, you know, it took a while, but I think I'm finally getting there. The problem is it works. Like, if it you, totally if you does. present yourself in that way. I mean, look at people on OnlyFans. I know. People are blowing up and, the, you know, just posting ridiculous stuff. And, I mean, how long is that sustainable? Like, are you going to do that for the rest of your life? You're probably, you know, you're going to you're gonna make some money. And then I read in uh, one of the latest Ryan Holiday books, he, he talked about, like, people doing what they don't want to do for an income. Like, yeah. they're only hurting themselves. If if you get mad at that, then you're hurting yourself. But if they're just doing their thing and you don't like it and it bothers you, mm-hmm. then you're hurting yourself in yep. turn. But they're, they're the ones who are, you know, that, that can't feel that good. Like, yeah, the money feels good, <clears> but, like, you can't. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I, like, who am I, to, who am I to even care, like, what somebody does right. and be I like, agree. I mean, do it's, your thing. Right. It's hard to not have that immediate emotional response that's like I would hate this and while I would be surprised I am not going to sit here and say that people that are on OnlyFans don't have self respect and like I probably wouldn't and like I'm not trying to be a dick about it either but like I don't know man like you're granted like you lightning strikes you make a boatload of money you get out quick like there are plenty of people who have sat in the mud for a couple years in order to turn the corner and you know make a lucrative living like plenty of people like that and while i don't know if that's the rule i think it's probably more the exception again yeah you don't see the thousand people who do it and make no money and then feel bad about them but again like you said who am i to judge you know what i mean like i I've, you know, to your point, I have fallen off the um, wagon, so to speak, of letting people affect me in that way. And, man, you said something that was like, it's like tripping in my mind right now, but um, along the lines of like, if you're doing something you hate for money, you're probably hurting yourself. Right. And, you know, I couldn't agree more. Um, I I was an accountant for four years and 60 hours a week. And I can't help, but look back on that as a time that I'll never get back. And while I value it in the sense that I now know how important it is to like understand how crappy that can feel. The more time that anyone spends doing something they hate will probably translate into more regret over the time that you lost. And, you know, accounting is not only fans, but I do there. There was a huge, there was a huge self-respect piece of me leaving that job. You know, I worked for a huge insurance company and I was a private um, accountant for them that uh, tax account. I did all of their tax related things. And I'll never forget, man. Like one of our VPs walked in and was like, smacks the table. I don't understand why no one's here on Saturdays. 
and we're all kind of looking at each other like our work is done like what do you what do you want and he's like everyone at a big four firm works 60 to 90 hours a week and you're only here for 40 and i look to the one guy who we, we had one cpi on our team so the rest of us are you know we there was some there was some master's degrees but we had one cpa on the team because we're private we didn't need them um and so i looked at the one guy with the cpa who i'd known had worked for a big four firms before and i was like do we get paid like we work at a big four firm <laughs> and he just started laughing and so and like i'm whispering it so no one else heard it and i shit you not within three days i went in and put my notice in and i was like i'm not doing this man like i'm not getting I'm not going to be somebody who gets paid, you know, and I hate to say it like this, but like who gets paid $50,000 a year and gets expected to work like someone who gets paid $120,000 a year. You know, the stress levels involved with what we did was extremely high. The, you know, there are parts of the year where we are there 60 hours a week and that's part of the job and we knew that. But like as a year-long thing, that just wasn't like I, I couldn't get on board with that. And I, I'll never forget, I walked into my, <clears throat> my manager's office and I was like, I'm really sorry, but you know, I'm out. I walked into her boss's office and I was like, uh, I've, I love you guys. Like you guys have been great to me. I've enjoyed working with you for as long as I've been here. I will not stay here any longer. And she was stunned. And when she asked why I was like that conversation put everything into perspective for me in a way that I could not have ever expected like you want us to bust our asses for no reason and I was like dude I just I have too much self-respect for that and not more than a week later did the guy who was a CPA sitting right next to me did he quit too so and again had I not gone through that I don't know if I would appreciate you know where I'm at right now as much as I do, where I get to make a living doing something that I genuinely enjoy. Um, you know, it's work. We can't, we're, we're, we're not, we're not people who sit in gyms and train all day. And that's a extremely common misconception with this industry, you know, gym ownership, running a, you know, in-person business, even a remote business, like a lot of work goes into it. And, you know, while I don't love every piece of it, I love what I do and I can, you know, finish my days metaphorically look in the mirror and say to myself, like, I'm, I'm happy with what I do. And I have a lot of respect for what I do. Um, and I think that you're right. There's a, there's a very brief shelf life for the folks who are doing things they hate because they think they need money. And while, you know, I'm not naive, I know that it, you have to pay to live effectively and you know as much as that does suck it's the reality i don't complain about the rules but i i just play by them um you know there are responsibilities that we have and how you how you can connect the dots and get to the end in a way that you know one you can look back on and say you know i'm proud of myself right and again like there are some people who work their asses off doing the things that I used to do in that job and can look back and say, I'm proud of, you know, what I did here. I, that was just not it for me. And again, I'm not here to tell anybody 
what to and to not do. But I want to push people to do the things that, you know, they enjoy that make them or allow them to respect themselves. And I'm lucky that I can do that. I understand fully that there are people who cannot. Um, but if you have the means, I don't think it's worth, I don't think it's worth degrading yourself for money. What would your advice be if say you're in your situation now and you know, you have three kids, you, you have all these things that you have to pay for, say you couldn't leave. Like what, what do you think you would have, would have told yourself if you're in those shoes now? Dude, it's tough, man. Um, Because basically I'm asking for advice because I'm in that position. Yeah, yeah, dude. And like, so it's hard, right? The, you, oh man, so there's so many different hats, right? Like I can wear the, you know, me being the competitive and stubborn person that I am hat, me being the like coach and empathetic person hat, um, and you know, whatever is in between. But the advice that I would give myself isn't always the advice that I would give other people. And um, that is an important distinction for what I'm about to say because I'm not trying to be an asshole. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick or inconsiderate. But if I could talk to myself, my 24-year-old self who had spent about two years in that position and I knew that I didn't like it, I would say... Stop wasting your time on fucking YouTube between projects and start building the thing that you wanted to do. I waited too long to do something that I liked. And I'm not saying you should quit your job and, you know, jump ship and bail because that's irresponsible, especially as someone who, you know, even at that time I had, I had my, you know, my oldest was two, three years old. Like, you can't just quit your job and not have an income. So the advice that I would give myself would be work nine to five, get all of your work done, squeeze whatever you can, you know, hobby or project or, you know, uh, personal project wise into that time because there's no reason not to. And then build your life around it until you get to a spot where you don't need that job anymore. And Um, I, the mistake that I made was letting it get to a point where I began to not hate my life, but I began to resent my life a little bit, which is a really shitty feeling, especially like everyone is a little bit different as like a parent or whatever. Um, I have a phenomenal partnership with my with my wife. I loved my son so much, and it was and like I love my wife too. Don't get me wrong. I I had this um, feeling of resentment that I couldn't leave my job because of my family, and that couldn't have been further from the truth. I allowed myself to, you know, even internally like I never said it out loud I would never blame them for something like that and but internally I'm like if I didn't have these responsibilities I would have already left and one that was 
lazy of me to think. And two, it was, again, it was, it was completely incorrect. I had plenty of time and opportunity to do something different. And it took me too long to figure it out. And I got to a spot where not only did I begin to resent, you know, my own family, but I resented myself, <clears throat> excuse me, myself and the place that I worked. Like I hated everything. And I granted, like some people need that like shock, that drastic change to set them off. And like I said, I, I got to a point where I quit and I was like, well, shit, now what? And I knew what I wanted. Like I, at the time I had already, I was already doing a lot of the training that I, that I wanted to do. I had already gotten my personal training certification. I kind of known the trajectory that I wanted to go on. Um, although not specifically, um, and I believe that I could have done more before they got to that point um, to responsibly set myself up for success. And not only would uh, that have had a positive impact on my personal life, like responsibility-wise, I probably wouldn't have, one, I would have never gotten to the point where I had to leave because a vice president of my department was kind of a jerk. Um but I, I would have felt way more comfortable with leaving. And it sucks because like the the like life cycle of a kid is so rough, man. Like when you think about it in hindsight, like you're in school from age six to eighteen where you're not really free to explore your own interests. Like you are, but you aren't. Um I was lucky I played sports. Sports are a socially acceptable way of again, explore, exploring your own interests. And that's what I did. You got like music and stuff like that for other art. There are definitely ways that you can like kind of dip your toes into things. But for dude, 12 years of adolescence, when like the most important developmental years of your life and like you're forced to sit in a desk all day and I get it. Like we got to learn things, blah, blah, blah. But you know, then you go to college and how much direction did, did even you get when you were getting ready for college? Like, not much. Right. Like, they were like, well, what do you want to major in? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. What do you, you tell me? What am I supposed to major in? I'm majoring in lacrosse. What do you mean? Like, I'm majoring in sports. Yeah. What's the easiest thing that I can do on top of this? Right. And so they were like, well, no, that's, you got to pick something to study. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I don't know. You stuck me in a desk and taught me geometry and algebra for 20 years. Like, what do you, I don't know. You tell me. And so. Dude, it's funny. I was like, well, I think software engineering would be cool. I love computers. And my college cross coach who was recruiting me at the time was like, ah, oh, well, nope, can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean I can't do that? And he's like, you won't have time to play. And I was like, so I don't actually get to pick my own major. I was like, well, most of the guys on the team are like business admin majors. And I was like, all right, cool, fine, business administration. And then that's how I eventually got into finance and accounting. But like, yeah, I mean, there's very little direction. And then at 20 three-year-old fresh out of college if you go to college you're expected to know everything know what you want to be like there's very again there's very little like self-exploration that gets to be had especially now where like again the like trajectory of a child is so it's so formalized now in a way that like removes the ability to be yourself and like we've got like all of these mental like ADHD and ADD right like 
don't get me wrong. Like I've been treated for ADHD since I was a little kid. I understand the, you know, intricacies and complexities that having some kind of, you know, I hate to even call it, it's not even a mental illness. It's just like you're, you just learn differently. Mm -hmm. The way that you spend time and what grabs your attention is just different. And we're going to tell kids that they're, there's something wrong with them because they don't want to sit in a desk all day for eight hours. And like, I have a hard time with that. And then college loans. Well, you don't know what you want to be when you grow up. We have to go to college because like, everyone has to go to college. So pick something. Oh, you can't afford it. Well, we'll give you a loan. Oh, well, that loan is going to take you probably like 30 years to pay off and you'll wind up paying three times what you actually took out. But, you'll at least get to have the education to go and then do the thing that you want to do. Oh, you don't know what you want to do? It doesn't matter. You still got to go to college. Well, then you're worse set up to fail. And, and you have to do it now. Right. And you got you got you got to do it now. Because mm-hmm. if you take if you take time off, then what? What are you going to do? How are you going to how are you going to live? And it's kind of sad. Um, you know, my my wife's family is um a family of trades tradesmen and tradeswomen <clears throat> and I envy I envy that environment because I was not I was not brought up to think that there was another way to go about education and career choosing than what was laid out in front of me and had I I mean candidly had I known there was alternate routes I probably wouldn't have taken it you know I'm a 18 year old kid who wanted to play sports. I mean, you no one was going to tell me that I had to give up my college playing days to be an electrician. Even though at 30 years old, I was like, well, maybe that would have been way better for me as someone who doesn't like to sit still, mm-hmm. who likes to do things with their hands, who likes to build things, who has fun running electricity in the three gyms that I've been a part of in the past six years. Like I do that stuff. I, and you know, again, it's a shame where I, I can't, I can't stress enough, like to bring a full circle that finding a way to do the thing or do something that you at least can be proud of is kind of the bare. I mean, not even proud of, but like that doesn't make you lose respect for yourself is kind of the bare minimum. And like I said, we got this, this social media thing going on right now. And even like my kid, like my oldest is 10 and I see it with him and I'm like, dude, like you think so poorly of yourself because what you see on the internet. But if you only knew what the other 23 and a half hours of this person's life was like, would you realize that like you got a good man like you're in a great spot and yeah it's a shame like I, what I know now talking to myself and like dude at 24 I was like shit my life is over and now at 32 I'm like what I would give to be 24 again like what I would do to get another shot at reorganizing my career path you know what I mean but then again like I don't know philosophically would I have done anything different you know what I mean like if I knew what I knew now sure but like if I got to be 24 again would I have the wherewithal to you know 
be able to, or the mental maturity to even like do things in the way that I think would be right now. And I don't know. So kind of like, is it fate? Is it, I don't know. Yeah. I love it, man. I know, uh, I know you got a lot going on, so we'll, we'll wrap this up. I would definitely like to do a part two for sure. <clears throat> oh, hell yeah. I think there's uh, plenty more we can talk about, but where can people follow you along on Instagram or if they want to get coaching or anything like that? Oh, word. Uh, <clears throat> so I know that I didn't do a great job, um, <laughs> detailing what I actually do. Um, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I, uh, I've coached powerlifters, weightlifters, uh, general, you know, anyone who like i said the the one thing that i look for is people who want to do things and try really hard and do stuff that they you know previously previously thought they couldn't do um so on instagram um i am craig owen underscore cp uh my i work with kyle dobbs and matt domney at uh compound performance um so that's usually the best way to find me. I have all like the, you know, relevant coaching related links and stuff in, uh, in my, in the bio of my Instagram. Um, you can go to compoundperformance.com and check out all the other things we do. We offer, uh, coaching mentorships for, you know, other strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, help them turn what, um, for a lot of people starts out as a hobby into an actual career, which, you know, as someone who probably needed a little bit more guidance than I initially got, uh, I wish that I had a resource like this when I was younger. You know, we're helping people find ways to, you know, again, turn this into a career when for for a lot of trainers and coaches, they, they churn or turn over pretty quick. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of business development related things that... Um, again, isn't really offered anywhere else. And, um, in addition to that, we, you know, we all, we all coach people, Kyle coaches, you know, a lot of, um, like hybrid athletes, runners, things of, uh, things of that nature. And that's our, our resident powerlifting guy. And then I kind of do dip my hands in everything, weightlifting, powerlifting, general strength and conditioning. Um, like I said, I like really, I like doing really cool shit. I like helping other people do really cool shit. Um, so that's the best way to find me. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Dude, this for awesome. sure, man. Love to catch up again.